Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have a very fun conversation with Brandon Kidder. This kid is a runner, very fast dude. He's won at the state level, the national level, and now he was part of a world record four by one mile team last year. This kid is fast. Hope you enjoy this episode of Tell Us a Good Story. This is going to be a very fun conversation. Very fun. Very much fun. And you wore your athletic looking gear yes. from 10 years ago. That's right. <laughs> is that old? <laughs> for our next guest here. So you look kind of athletic Thank looking. You. I'm trying. And I'm wearing a hat because you told me I need to start wearing a hat. Yeah, your so, hair is pretty bad. Let's so, be this quarantine is hurting your hair. Yes, that's for sure. It is. But can you share the exciting news about our book? <gasps> it's out, you guys. I know we say it, but. It is out. It's on Amazon. It's on KevinStuff.com. You met her where? And we are just super excited, super proud. So if you need something to read during this quarantine, our book is available. You'll laugh during this time. It'll be amazing. And hopefully it'll inspire you guys and give you hope. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is a very fast man. (laughs) I will put it at that. He was part of a four by one mile team that set a world record record last year he was the all-american runner at penn state we still like him (laughs) and now he's a professional runner with the brooks beast track club in seattle washington and most importantly he is from my hometown of lancaster ohio not lancaster but lancaster ohio ladies and gentlemen please welcome to tell us a good story mr brandon kidder welcome brandon Hey, thank you for having me on here, guys. It's been um, I've been looking forward to this for a while now. Oh, oh good. 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 Well, Brandon, we are very excited to have a conversation with you. And first of all, I wanted to make you aware that you just set another record amongst all the records you've set. So Very important <laughs> record. Yes. You are now the youngest person we have ever had as a guest on our podcast, my man. Oh, it's a very wow. big deal. That's yes. uh, prestigious. Yes. <laughs> That's a very big deal. Off the top of your head, you know who the next next uh, closest to me was? Uh, it would probably be a 35-year-old. Probably J.D. Okay. Bergman. Yes. He's mm-hmm. 35. The because, mm-hmm. So I was, yeah. looking, so I, start, I was looking at pictures of you, Brandon, and I'm like, crap, I think... I think we're old enough to be this kid's parents. <laughs> and so, so I looked so I looked up his birthday and we are. <laughs> so, are we really? So Brandon's birthday is November of 93. Yep. 93, which means I was a freshman in high school. I am Brandon definitely not old enough born. to be his mama. Okay. Well, I was 19 as a freshman, so that's <laughs> <laughs> not. No. But no, no I am technically old enough so brandon you are the youngest person so thank you for coming on with this uh, old folks here and (laughs) have a conversation with us so for listeners who may not be familiar with brandon brandon i want to i want to brag on you here for a second okay so i want to give listeners kind of your bio and your background of of what you've done as a runner throughout your career okay so the first thing is I was looking up your stats and I went to, I think it was Penn State's website. And Brandon, I got to tell you, 
it gave me a migraine reading about you because I am scrolling through the page and it's cross country, it's indoor, it's outdoor, it's multiple years, it's high school, it's college, it's professional. And you've been in a million races. You've been in a million relays. You've been in races, quite honestly, I didn't even know existed. Okay. So I didn't know there was a 600 meter. I know there's like a 900 meter. I didn't know there was a distance medley relay. Which is what? Mm -hmm. I thought that was something I competed in at your family reunion. (laughs) Sounds like, well, there's potato sack races, but what What is is that? So it's uh, just a mix of basically all the distance events. So it starts with the 1200, which is an event you would never run open. And then it goes to, you hand off to a 400 leg, which is not necessarily a a distance race. And then... Uh, 800 meter runner and then it finishes with a mile finishing the mile so, okay it's nice you get a little mix of everything uh you got the sprint in there and it ends with the, the mile which usually slows down gets tactical and then there's it's usually a big kick so it's, it's a fun race to watch so in high school brannon full disclosure brannon was coached by one of our buddies mm-hmm. right coach joe mock which everyone knows as fu manchu, fu manchu man. man yes, yes. who was on episode three of our podcast so we actually have seen you run believe it or not oh, really yeah so we had seen you run i think it was your i don't know if it was your junior or senior year but we were sta- we were in the stands with with coach mock and i remember joe saying listen watch this race you're this kidder you, watch him and so we're watching you and literally bro it is like it is like you had a bungee cord <laughs> attached to you because you're running and you are just like just pulling away from everybody, like immediately. So high school, <laughs> you of course were an elite, elite middle distance runner. You took home in the state of Ohio, your senior year, you took home three state titles in 2012 at the Ohio State Championships. And this is the biggest schools. You won the 800 and 1600 open. Then you won the four by 800. And I was told by your coach that you did not lose one race during your se- senior season is what he had said. So that's pretty impressive. So that seemed, yeah, uh, up until there's, there's some postseason races. So I'll say that my senior season at the very end, I'd, I'd, I'd lost I'd fourth at like the national meet, essentially. Right. He only got fourth at, at the, the national, national meet. meet. Yes. Hey, don't get all technical. Like by not, I don't want to get to a good liar by not correcting you. Don't get all technical on me here, Brandon. Okay. <laughs> In the state of Ohio. In the state of Ohio. You did not lose, you did not lose one race. Correct? That sounds, that sounds right? Okay. Sounds All right. Let me keep bragging on you here. Okay. So, he also was a state qualifier in the cross-country meets. Won the 1600 as a junior. Finished third as a sophomore in the state of Ohio. And then, like he said, he ran the fourth fastest mile in the United States. And in, in high school, he ran a four-minute, three-second mile. Oh, my goodness. Then in college at Penn State, that's when I got the headache, okay? Because it's just like a litany of stats. And so we'll just say you were All-American. You had multiple Big Ten championships. You have school records at Penn State. Um, And then professionally, here's what's crazy. You were on the four-by-one-mile world record team with Brooks, the Brooks Beasts team, Mm -hmm. where last January, your team ran a 16-minute, 3.6-second 
four by one mile. Okay. Steph, that shattered the previous world record by nine seconds. Holy cow. Nine seconds. And this man here ran the third leg. And you want to hear what his split was? Yes. Three minutes, 57 seconds. Shut up. Was his split. Holy cow. And then your freshman year is when you broke the sub four minute mile, I believe, for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Brandon. That's that amazing. Is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Yes. So, so going back, right? So you became, at least what, what our buddy said, you became an elite middle distance runner probably your junior year in high school. Yeah. What, what colleges were, were reaching out to you then at, at that point to run for the program? Um, quite a few. In terms of like letters and things, yeah. I, mean, I definitely got letters from, from most schools, like most recognizable schools and then okay. quite a few small schools as well. Um, I seriously considered like going on official visits to, I uh, obviously went to Penn State um, and then Ohio State reached out to me. Uh, I took a visit to University of Oregon as well. They're kind of a renowned track. Yes. yes. And then uh, Colorado and Boulder, which is also sort of a, a running mecca, but more yeah. on the gear towards the distance side. Mm-hmm. So middle distance runner. And coming out, Penn State was just a powerhouse middle distance program. They had four guys who were under 148 and eight, which is elite. And then a couple of sub four guys. Um, they just, they're a freshman who, so he was a year older than me, had just broken the collegiate record in the thousands. So, oh, really? Like a powerhouse middle distance program when I was coming out. And I just, I really, I like, I loved it on my visit, but also just like, the team dynamic and coaching is good fit for me. So what, so what was the biggest transition, I guess, for you going from a high school running program to a like elite collegiate track program? Yeah. I mean, so it's a huge transition because you go from being this, you know, big fish in a little pond to now I'm, you know, the fifth best miler on the team or something. So, um, and not only that, these guys are, you come in and you're 18 or 19 and these guys are 22 and they have four more years of yeah. mileage for their legs. So it's really easy to just get, just uh, overtrain and just get beat up that first year. So uh, that's a good senior leadership. Like basically listen, you know, just do, do less than you think you need to and you're going to be fine. Just survive this fall yeah. and we'll get the track season and it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off for you. Uh, I also think that just made a commitment to um, recovery and sleep and all these things outside of the actual two-hour window of practice or three-hour window of practice. It really is a 24-hour sport. Everything you do goes into it, whether that's just staying off your feet during the day when you can to sleeping eight to 10 hours, eating well. So uh, it was just basically switching to this kind of all-in mentality. That was probably the biggest transition. Gosh. That's crazy. So, Steph, I I actually have a couple stories that I was told about Brandon from, from high school. Brandon and we can edit these out if if <laughs> if need be, but they are not bad. But okay. the funny thing is with Brandon being an elite elite runner, right, by his junior year, uh, our buddy Joe was telling me your senior year, of course, you didn't lose a race in the, in the state of Ohio when, when, you're in, when you're running for your high school team, right? right. He said, 
that you would get to these big races and the other schools felt like, okay, the only way we can possibly beat this kid is if they just trail him the whole time and try to sprint at the end of this, the mile. Okay. But most of these teams didn't realize how fast he actually was. Right. So Joe was telling me, Brandon, that a lot of times, because these kids, they were not going to pass you. They were just going to uh, just kind of trail you. So you would set the pace. They would be just right behind you, whatever pace it was. So Joe said you would just like slow it down, like (laughs) a slow pace just to see, okay, they're not going to do anything. Well, then crap, I'm just going to jog here. (laughs) And they would jog with you. And he said you get to like the last uh, the last lap, you would pick it up, and then he said the last 250 meters, he would just he kick it up to another level and blow him out of the water, and didn't have a chance. But literally, he said like the first three laps, he's just like jogging, like not even sweating, and everyone just scared of him because of how how good he was. When did you know you, track was your thing? Was it? I think he said you didn't run until your sophomore year or something because you used to play football. Is that right? Yeah, so actually, that's when I kind of switched gears. I played football from first grade to my junior year, and like, so that's when I, I mean, as I was in junior high, I don't think I, I lost in the eight of the mile my through, throughout junior high. So yeah. like, I was pretty good at running, but I, I hadn't made that full commitment. Like, I wanted to be a football player, cornerback. I was like this exact size in high school, so I weighed <laughs> yeah. like two pounds more than I did then, and. uh so like, you know, I had aspirations of football. I hadn't really like chalked that just yet. But my junior year is when I, I decided I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta get serious about this running thing, go to college, that sort of thing. And so I started running cross country. And my junior year I won states and then we went to this meet in Chicago, which is sort of a, a regional it was like a version of the Dream Mile that I spoke about before. Um, and I won that and ran 406 and that was like a huge breakthrough. I think that was like a wow. PB and the seconds get bigger, the lower you go, you know, so six seconds from 412 to 406 was like huge. much bigger than 412 to 418. So that's when I was kind of reassured that, you know, I was good at this thing. And, and what's incredible, Brandon, is there's not a lot of track athletes that do this full time, right? Mm-hmm. And so you are sponsored by Brooks and you don't have to do a side hustle. You don't have a side gig. You're not waiting tables. Literally, they are sponsoring you to run full time. Mm-hmm. So, so what does it mean, I guess, to be a professional runner? I guess because you said it, it's 24 hours, but what, what's a typical day like then for a professional runner? Right. So, um, with, with that, that time, you know, we feel like we have to utilize it to the best of our ability. So my team, we, we meet at 10 o'clock with that. What we'll do is like some team meetings, check in with things. We'll, um, we, we, we might, we might be, we might do circuits given different days. And then, um, practice is super variable in terms of whether we're on the track or doing hill repeats or just a recovery run. So practice getting anywhere from 12 to one thirty, And then typically we'll get lunch together or go home. And then most of the rest of the day is about recovering and getting focused on getting ready for the next day. 
So <laughs> we have an athletic trainer that is work, works with us full time, Sarah Bear. She's great. <laughs> um, and so we'll see her on site. And then she also operates out of a clinic in Seattle. So then we could potentially be seeing Sarah in the afternoon or uh, various chiropractors that work at Vita as well, that the clinic she works at. And uh, yeah, basically trying to stay, stay healthy, stay running, uh, eating well, and then lots of, lots of time off our feet. So, you know, it kind of comes across as like lazy or kind of downtime, but in, in reality, a lot of us would want to be, you know, out, out hiking or doing things, doing activities. So it's like, it's a small sacrifice, but right. you know, basically being lazy outside of those hours of high activity. I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense where, I mean, your legs are your asset, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, you would need the rest and recovery. Right. So do you have, do you have nutritionists then that is, is taking care of the meals? How does that work? Uh, so we have a nutritionist that we work with, um, Dr. Kyle Fafenbach, actually from Pickerington, Ohio as well. Wow. So, okay. So we work with him. He'll, he'll come in a couple times a year, uh, beginning of the year, sort of onboarding meeting. We do lots of sort of like setting ourselves up well for the season. And then we'll check in with him just like monthly calls and he handles all of our, our supplements. So like just making sure everything is like quality supplements that are third party certified, no like banned substances. And how many calories do you eat a day? Uh, so calories is actually one thing we don't measure. So what? That's, okay. that's surprising. <laughs> I would guess. 3,500 or so. I don't know. Wow. What? Do you More than really? an average person, but yeah, probably. So <laughs> are you just constantly but eating? I think I eat big meals. Yeah. In between meals. It's hard to make it from like lunch to dinner for sure. I yes. bet. I mean, because you're burning so many calories. You're, you're bur- I mean, being a professional athlete. My goodness. And are you cooking <laughs> you for know, yourself? Yeah, typically. Yeah. Okay. What's amazing to me, Brandon, is clearly you're coming from Lancaster, Ohio, and then mm-hmm. within five-year period, you are competing internationally, mm-hmm. overseas. So what is that like in the summers, right? When you're, you're in right. the middle of your track season, what's that like? Are you living internationally? The second half of the summer, the majority of the meets in the U.S. are done, and the best opportunities are international. And so those meets could be in Belgium, they could be in England, they could be in Spain, Italy, all these places. Um, so this is my first season where I actually qualified for the World Championships. So, and I was based in and out of Belgium for a lot of that. Um, raced in Belgium, raced in Germany, raced in Croatia, um, Belarus, and then eventually Doha. And yeah, it's basically just living out of your suitcase for weeks at a time. So here's what stinks though. You're in these amazing places, but mm-hmm. you have to be off your feet though. Right. Right. So yeah, it's yeah, not, absolutely. it's not like you're going sightseeing. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. He's not going <laughs> sightseeing in Germany and Belgium. It's like, sorry, you got to be on your feet. Hope you got yep. a subscription to Netflix. It's true. But it, it, it absolutely goes back to that too, because you know, like, I was in Germany, but I spent 
36 hours there and then i had to go to croatia like to race the next day or whatever and then i was okay. in croatia and it was it was like oh man i'd love to see these beaches in croatia but right. it's two hour train ride away and i've got to go to belarus so yeah a lot of a lot of turnover not a lot of opportunities to sightsee and especially at that point of the year you're really trying to dial in nutrition so oh you know, man yeah, you're not the, even eating pastries and yes. all these things. None of that. That's no fun. Exactly. No. (laughs) Where was your favorite place to compete at? Favorite place to compete? I would actually probably have to be Berlin. So in Berlin, they have this huge um, stadium where Jesse Owens actually ran in front of Hitler. So now it's like this huge memorial stadium. There's all these testaments to Jesse Owens. And um, it just looks like a coliseum. And the German track communities, they're huge fans. So they sold out uh, the German national championships, sold out, and it was like 60,000 plus fans. Oh, my gosh. If you can imagine that. So it's a real sport there, you know, like they're a real professional sport at least. Um, and I, so I ran at a World Challenge meet there, which is just like a step below Diamond League. And it's just like an amazing crowd energy. Um, Berlin itself is beautiful. And then... Yeah, just it's just it's just hard to compare running on like a fast track with great competition and just great fans. How did you do there? Uh did pretty well for myself. I I believe I finished third, but I ran my second fastest fifteen ever. So That's awesome. Good, com- good competition. Yeah. That would be amazing to be competing where Jesse Owens had had run and, and won this gold medals. You made a huge statement. I guess I yeah, I guess I just exactly. assumed that that had been torn down, right? That that wasn't right. still being used. That's that's incredible. That is absolutely yeah. incredible. What was your most memorable race? Hmm. So world record. World record was pretty pretty awesome. That definitely stands out in my mind for sure because I, I love relays. So getting to be a part of a team, oh, I've, I feel like I've always dived on that. That's something that Lancaster High School we really were team focused first the four bit was my priority at states and then at Penn state we like i said we had a great middle distance program so then the dmr relays were always just close to my heart so getting to be a part of that world record with my new teammates was just awesome experience and so that was um indoor track so it was armory in new york city which is great fan base as well historic stadium all that um Another relay that's really memorable to me as well is my first year as a pro, we competed at World Relays, which was just a, a worldwide relay championship, which is sort of just a fun thing that happens every couple of years. And it was in Nassau, Bahamas. Oh, wow. So pretty cool, cool setting for that. And uh, general, just big track and field fans as well. Um, and there we won... Uh, the four by eight as Team USA. So that was pretty cool. It's just being this, that was my first world team, getting to wear the USA across my chest and getting to be a, be a part of a, a gold medal relay team where we're taking down like Kenya and Ireland and UK. It's just pretty, pretty awesome. So when wow. you're in this race, are is are you like, okay, you do your run and then are you looking at the clock? Are you looking at your teammate like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Oh, and your heart's man. just pounding the whole time. <laughs> like you're so jacked up. How, how are you feeling during that time? 
So d- during the relay, I assume you're talking about. Uh, with, totally. With, yes. With, with, with the world relay with the, or not sorry, the world record with the, the time. Um, not really. Cause these are my teammates that I'm training with like every single day. And we're the few people that actually get to be on the track. Uh-huh. So I felt like I was pretty focused instead of being after I'd already finished, I felt like I was very conversational with my teammates. I'm like, okay, Isaac, don't go yet. Don't go yet. We're in a battle, you know, with another team. And Isaac, my teammate, who's the anchor, was leading and very strong. But it, it's it's usually an advantage to be following in this situation, especially when it's not crowded. So Isaac's in front doing all the work. And I know that he's he's confident. I know that he's got a good kick. But he's at a disadvantage here because he's leading it. And I just remember just being like, don't go yet. Don't go yet. Don't go yet. And then I'm watching the clock and I know, I know we've got some time in the bank. So my biggest worry was that he was going to go too early and get out kicked. And then yeah, when it was time to go, I just kind of mean like, just send it, I think. And then, uh, yeah, but I felt like I was pretty, pretty calm in the moment until we crossed the line and knew what happened. We were pretty excited. So, so that last 200 meters, I know what Steph and I would be doing, but oh, yeah. are you screaming your head off? Like, yeah, for yelling, sure. Oh, you're like, okay, yelling at yeah. me. Like, <laughs> get going. You know, we're, oh, we're this sure. close. Exactly. Exactly. So Isaac actually had a great kick. Broke, broke the guy in second and he would pull away by 200. So yeah, I was celebrating full, fully at that point. Oh, oh my that's gosh. amazing. So did you, how, how do you go from, I mean, a regular time to all of a sudden you smash a record by nine seconds. Did was this a new team that was put together running for the first time, or how does how did yeah. that happen? So, admittedly, the four by mile does not get ran very often. Oh, so it doesn't. Okay. Without being like without calling it a soft record. Okay, so it's like one every four years, uh, like the Olympics, you run so- the four by one mile. Okay. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a soft <laughs> record, but. Also, there's not a lot of professional track and field teams out there. Oh, so, okay. A lot of previous records before, you know, in the last 20 years were set by colleges because those are your best group of four milers as a college because yep. there's resources to keep competing after college and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, we got a group of four guys who are very good. My teammates are good as well. And uh, everybody was healthy and ran well on the same day which is really difficult to do just two, four of us, you know, one person has a bad day. Right. It messes it up. Yeah. And then also it's difficult to have, it's very difficult to front run a race. So that's why these records are hard, especially the longer the distance, because typically in fast races, you would have somebody pace you through 40% or 60% of the race. But with something like four mile race, there's nobody good enough to even race against. So fortunately, we had a lot of good competition from a group based out of New York, New York, New Jersey Track Club, sponsored by Hoka 1-1. Um, they were also a group of four good milers. And so having them there to that final leg was a huge advantage. So okay. it actually went under the former world record as well. Oh, really? Us. But it was a great race, and that's what made it so fast. Wow. So, Brandon, when you are running for U- Team USA, all right? Now, first yeah. off, that would give me goosebumps, Steph. Oh, if I'm sure. in the locker room and I put on a jersey and yep. it's the navy blue and the red, the red and white USA. USA across my chest. Mm-hmm. So, when, when you do something like that, 
do you win money? Are you just winning uh, a medal? Is this, does the money go to your uh, track sponsors? Like how, how does that work? Like even, I guess, Team USA, but also when you are running professionally, do you get yeah. to keep the prize money or does that go back to Brooks and they're just paying you your salary? Uh, yeah, so B- Brooks pays the base contract and that's like what we live on. That's what you okay. assume you're going to have during a given year. But all prize money goes to us with okay. the exception of like a percentage because they're our agent. Okay. Um, and yeah, essentially that's that's what some people live on. So not everybody has contracts and some people just make a living by just winning races or finishing top three races and getting prize money. And yeah, at world championships, at world relays, there's, there's generally always a prize pot and the bigger the race, the more money and right. uh, the deeper it goes typically as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe one through eight versus <clears throat> one through three at a local, not a local, but you no know, professional meet is domestic. Okay. I want to know, since you're sponsored by Brooks, which I love their shoes, by the way, how many shoes do you have? Oh, gosh. Let me go through. Yeah. Do you go through in, like, say, a year's time? Oh, man. I honestly, I never have kept count, but so many since. Like, like how long until you go through? Like, uh, can you run two weeks without blowing through? I would would go, like, three weeks, typically, in a pair of trainers. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. but But also, I... So I tend to I rotate through shoes. I have different shoes for different days, like a long run versus a, a speed session on the track versus a really easy day or a solid session kind of in between. So I might have four different pairs of shoes I wear in a given week. Oh, wow. So I keep track of kind of like when I'm going through them. I would just, I would just kind of like see that I'm pretty hard on shoes in terms of like the wear pattern on the actual bottom of the tread. So it's kind of like easy to see when I need a new shoe. So I don't usually keep track of how long I have them. They would last longer than three weeks because I'm rotating them. Right. But I know that I know from experience when I've gone on sh- like extended trips stuff for a month or something in an altitude camp, like one pair of shoes is not enough for a month. So do you, how, okay. So how does this work? So you have a shoe and you're like, I need another pair. Do you call somebody like, Hey, I need another pair. Or are they just constantly shipping shoes uh, to you? So the way Brooks does it, some, some companies will do that. Some, some companies will just send out like gear shipments, like a big box full of all the gear and like different shoes. And then they'll get them periodically. Brooks just gives us a code that we can use on the website. Oh, so okay. That code. makes it so easy. we'll just order what we need from the website periodically. Is yeah. that include clothes too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the apparel as well. Oh, that's nice. So cool. No, that is not bad at all. <laughs> and this is your fourth year running professionally. Is that right? Yes. It's hard to believe it's gone by really quickly. I actually, I just thought about that. And, you know, I, the other day I was thinking like, Oh, what's this? My second, no, third, no, fourth year. <laughs> so you are a senior at Penn state. Do you get a yeah. phone call from Brooks or do you start getting an agent involved? Like how does that yeah. work? It's interesting. It's a very hectic time for track and field. I don't know about how other professional sports, but um, so my senior year, I was approached by just like via email by a couple of track and field coaches who run professional coach or professional groups. So I was approached by my now coach, Danny Mackey, and 
I believe December of my senior year at Penn State. And this year, like, hey, want to let you know we're interested in you. And there's just like, certain rules about what you can talk about. Right. You can talk about mm-hmm. like any hard numbers or anything like that. I actually, I took a visit to Seattle in December of my senior year. So that was the group I was most familiar with because I had a feel for the day-to-day and like, the actual team that was there. Got to meet Danny. And then I basically didn't talk to any other coaches until late in the spring of my senior season. So your senior year, or at the end of the year, you have a conference meet. And then you have two weeks and you have first round championships. And that at first rounds, you have to qualify for NCAAs. And then you have NCAAs. That's obviously super important. And then you have this two-week window in between NCAAs and the U.S. Outdoor Championships, which are like my national championships now as a professional. Okay. And so mine happen to fall every fourth year is the Olympics. So the U.S. Championships happen every year. Every fourth year, they're called the Olympic Trials. It's the same thing. Um, but in that two weeks, that's when you're now allowed to sign an agent and so I, oh, I talked gosh. by email, I committed to, to my now agent. And then in that two weeks, they're basically trying to negotiate all these contracts with it, like Nike, Adidas, Brooks, New Balance, Saucony. And there's lots of back and forth. There's negotiating. You have to make decisions. There's talks of going on visits. And all this has to basically happen before Olympic trials. Because in our sport, the Olympics are obviously the most limelight of any other championship no diamond league nothing compares so you're most valuable if you're running with brooks across your chest the moment you make the olympics rather than oh, right my penn state kit with yep. the Nike push so yeah <laughs> it's basically like this mad rush to try and get a contract get a shoe sponsor before you go to that year's outdoor senior championships and yeah, that's that's pretty much the, the process. Some people will wait until after their first round once they've qualified because at, at the trials, there'll be three rounds for the 800, which is what I ran in 2016, and actually three rounds for the 15 as well. So some people might run the first round in their college kit and then sign a contract overnight and then come back in their professional kit. What? Really? Crazy, yeah. And it's sort of like, that's again... That's interesting. Right? And if you think that you're going to make the Olympics, then maybe you wait. It's a gamble because if you didn't make the Olympics, you're going to make yeah. less. Yes. Yes. But if you do make the Olympics, if you're like a shoe in, you're just a phenomic college. Yep. And you make the Olympics. Now you make even more money once you've signed because you've already, now you've signed based on your actual production rather than your potential. So I was in a situation where I would have been, I think I finished maybe 10th or say 10th to 14th. Yeah trials my senior year of college top three make the olympics so i mean like that was a pretty good showing for me if i'd been top six it would have been awesome so i wasn't in a situation to wait around and try and sign out so i had to you know get things going so how did you do did you compete this year in the olympic trials uh so in 2019 it would be just a regular u.s championships okay and in 2020 is the olympic trials the Olympic trials have now been postponed due to coronavirus to 2021. Okay. I was thinking of Dr. Christina. Yeah. She was in the marathon 
yes. Olympic trials, mm-hmm. which took place in February. Okay. Right, which yep. happened to be before. Yes. Yeah. Corona. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, so when is it in 2021? 2021, it'll be in July. In July. Okay. So what are you going to... July of this year. So well, what are you going to try to... What's your race going to be to try to... You get know, to the Olympics. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good question. <laughs> um, so I've gone back and forth between the 800 and the 1500, which are both contested outdoors. And I don't know what's the short answer. The long answer is I made the world championships last year in 19 in the 800, which I would have thought would have been my secondary event. So recently having some success in the 800, and I've been kind of putting my eggs in that basket in terms of training. But the Olympic trials are spread out over 10 days. And a normal championship is only over three or four. So it's really difficult to try and do both. At the trials, you can actually run the first three rounds of the 800 over four days, have two days off, and then you can run the 1500. Okay. So my intention as of now is to try and run both. Okay. That's amazing. Uh, well, we will be rooting for you. We will be rooting for you, my man. That's, That's for sure. So, so cool. do you have any good stories from training camps, whether it's working out in altitude or training with your teammates? Do you have any good stories you can share from, you know, being in this very close knit group of, of track athletes? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think the common denominator in all my stories is we basically get to be just big kids because I'm doing the same thing I was doing in college, but no school, you know? Oh, that, yes, but that's true. true. Little, that is a good a point. More, it's a little more serious, a little more dialed in. There's, you know, it's my livelihood as well, but we're all just, there's no school, know, no school. You know, we've got like a few hours of obligation. So we just get pretty, pretty like silly, I guess, you know? And, uh, <laughs> So one, one, one thing that stands out in my mind is this summer we're in Belgium and at this point we're pretty spread out. So I'm no longer with my Cooks team because everybody kind of their schedules racing all over the world. But I was, I was based in Leuven, Belgium for a bit with my former college teammate, Isaiah Harris. And we're just killing time, just kind of walking around, uh, eating meals. Basically, there's no races coming up. We're not even racing in Belgium. We're just... We're just based there because there's a good track, good trails, all these things. And there just happens to be this carnival in town and this, this big kind of cobblestone plaza, just Belgium's old and beautiful. So I don't know, just this courtyard of course. And we've been here for 10 days and there's been no carnival. So it just pops up kind of overnight. <laughs> and um, the strangest thing, the thing that stood out to us as Americans is at this carnival, Rather than games where you're like throwing a ball at like some cans and knock them over, there's an archery game. So you can pay like five euro, seven arrows, and you're shooting just no way a recurve bow. And it's like a wooden recurve bow. Like you can kill something with this. This is a serious bow. And so we're like, no way. Like we have to play this game, obviously. And so there's there's some high schoolers playing and they're like they're not shooting that well. And Isaiah is talking all this trash on these kids, which I mean, they're speaking in fluent. Right. They can't understand him. Right. Yeah. So he's just like, Oh man, that kid's terrible. He's like, Oh, I used to do archery in gym class. <laughs> what Gym class. He's from Maine. So I don't know. Maybe they could be possible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we get up there 
we pay the guy. He doesn't understand us. We're just like him five euros. And he's just kind of this old, like weathered guy, like no emotion, just walking around collecting arrows and stuff. And the first thing that's striking is that he has no regard for his life. There's just these kids, like he can't even understand us. And he just trusts that we're not going to shoot him. <laughs> the target's just like collecting the arrows with no, like, he's no care in the world. Not a care in the world. And he has this tiny little dog running around at his feet as well. So this whole time, there's just like this little scrappy kind of like long hair chihuahua running around, just following its master. And he's just walking in between children, little children shooting arrows and just past him. And so the worst thing is Isaiah, after all his trash talking, is terrible. He almost missed the target entirely. He's, He's bowing the bow back. And like trying to line it up with his eyes and shooting it like it's like a dart or something. <laughs> so, he's, so he's like in front of his face doing it. Yes, okay. literally. <laughs> I'm just like doubled over laughing at him because it's so bad. And I'm I'm like, let me take a video. Let me just show you what you're doing. And so now he's laughing too, which is obviously impairing our accuracy. So we're just dying laughing, trying to shoot these targets. And the whole time the guy is just standing within feet of us and <laughs> believe the trust you know that's just the casual day jeez, oh, just a carnival pops up and then yeah random yeah. games oh i would be yeah. i thought you're gonna say your buddy was aiming for the carny i thought no, that's no, what you're no. gonna say and he accidentally no. you know nicked him or something the leg oh man it could have happened but i mean <laughs> This guy was pretty old. It has to have happened. I mean, this, yeah, this demeanor of someone who's been doing this his whole life. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, Brandon, I've got uh, one story I want to I share with you. Okay. So, of course, my buddy, Joe, we have conversations and we were having, <laughs> we were talking about you, Brandon, and he's in my friend said, you know who would be like the perfect criminal? I'm like, who's that? He's like, Brandon Kidder. And I'm like, why is that? He's like, do you know how fast that kid is? Like he could steal anything and just take off running. Nobody's going to catch him. Nobody's going to have the endurance. Like you think the cops can be able to catch him. He's just going to keep going and going and going. One, he's got the speed Two, he's got the endurance. And I'm like, Joe, he can't outrun a video camera. He can't outrun like a police helicopter. Like this right. isn't this isn't 1995, right? Where you can just That's right. I would have made a great old time. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> literally, yeah, if this was 1995, Brandon would be the perfect criminal. Right, he could steal anything out of Target. No one's gonna catch him, except maybe a video camera. But I don't know if you had those back then. But so yeah, that was that was a terrible conversation that I had <laughs> right. uh, with your old coach. But I'm glad I think, to see that that didn't go like down a personality route. So. Oh, you're right, right, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about like, that. Oh man, I didn't, I didn't think about that. But he did actually. He did Sorry. tell me. He did tell me one other story, which I thought this was, this was pretty funny. So he said, "Your senior year." Mm-hmm. You guys were competing uh, at Lancaster in some big race at, I think it was Pickerington, is what I said, or what he, he was telling me. 
you were signed up to compete in three events and the four by 100 was going. Yeah. And okay. So you probably know where I'm going with this. So yeah, feel free to chime in at any point, but he's telling me the four by 100 team was, was very good. And Mm -hmm. one of the runners like pulled his hamstring or something five Mm -hmm. minutes before the race. And so the coaches were freaking out because they're like, we, we need these points for the, for the meet, right? We don't want to just disqualify ourselves by only having three guys. Who can we put in there? All right. And you need somebody who has already warmed up because five Mm -hmm. minutes to go before the race, it's too late, right? For someone new, Hey, get your sweats off. Let's stretch warm up. It's, it's over. Right. So Joe and someone else is kind of thinking out loud, like, what can we do? And Joe's idea is let's go get Kidder. Kidder just ran some race. He's running a cool down and just the mile. Yeah. Just, he just run a mile. (laughs) Right. And this is a four by 100. And what we can do is we can put him as the anchor in this four by 100. So he only has to take the baton and run. There's no other exchange that you have to do. Never. He's like, I don't, he's never done this before. Right. As as far as he knows. And so he's like, let's see if we can find him. Right. So he said he goes to the head coach, whoever that was. And the head coach is like stressed. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no, like this kid is like the pride and joy of our, our team. (laughs) Right. Like what happens is he pulls a hamstring. What happens? He gets hurt. And he's like, okay, we don't, we don't have to do it, but then we can't, we're not getting any points. And, and so under a last second decision, he's like, sure, go ahead. If you can find them, put them in there. So Joe said he takes off running, right? Trying yeah. to find you. And you are, I think, running your cool down, right? With yeah. your... Yeah, he's outside the stadium. Outside the stadium. He runs, yep. gets you. And yep. doesn't he, I guess, how does he say it? He say, hey... Let's go change your shoes. I need you in the four by one or something. And you thought he was kidding. Well, no, I, I think I might have, but he basically was like asking me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, of course I want to be a sprinter. Everybody wants to be a sprinter. Every distance guys wants the four by one. But yeah, I was definitely like a little bit of disbelief there for right. sure. Because he said, so he's like, hey, walk with or run with me. I'll give you the details. So he said, he's, yeah. you're running with him. You got to go change your shoes, right? To get mm-hmm. in the four by one. You just, he said, literally, we, you get into inside the track and they're shooting off the gun to start the race. He said, yeah. so yeah. he's like, he's like, Kidder literally just like walks up on the track. Okay. Do I stand here? Okay. It looks like I'm, st- I'm going to stand here. All right. And he yep. said, <laughs> so you, ha- you have to anchor this thing. Right. Yep. He said, gets to the end. And he said, there was someone ahead of you. He said, and you ended up finishing, I think second, maybe third, he said, but it was the first time he had never seen you be able to catch somebody. And it was only because oh, yeah. it was, uh, it was a hundred, only because it was a hundred meters. Right. But he's yeah, like, I got, was, I got rolled up almost immediately by the guy who eventually won. Mm-hmm. Like in the exchange zone, that guy passed me. <laughs> but, he, but Joe was saying, everyone is blown away though, that you were keeping yeah. up with everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you like held the position <laughs> where you're at mm-hmm. um, and ended up finishing second or, or maybe third i don't know but yeah, um, yeah so, somewhere it's so, solid. so he said your head track coach as soon as that was over he said joe and another coach are like high-fiving each other they're like <laughs> so excited their plan like worked out perfect you didn't get hurt we got to yeah. see kidder like sprint 
Um, yeah. You know, it was great. And he said the head track coach comes over and is like, don't you ever make me make a decision like that ever again. I am never going to let that happen. What happens if Kenner would have broke his leg, right? It's like, hey, it was your call, coach. You're the right. one who approved it. But yeah. Joe said that was one of the most amazing things he's seen. And he said, like, other coaches were coming over later and were like, dude, it's enough that we've got to deal with Kidder on these middle distance runs. Like, now you're putting him in the sprints as well that we got to deal with. <laughs> it's like, can you guys knock it off? But awesome. that would have that been fun, though, I would think. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, was, it was a blast. Um, yeah, basically no prep at all for that. And definitely it's intimidating to, I mean, without taking a, a four-by-one exchange ever before, I was getting handed off to by our high school quarterbacks. So like <laughs> no one's like six, four, like sprinting, you know, at me and just like, you're not used to like people coming in that fast. So it was intimidating, definitely fun. I never, I never actually got that backstory with um, my head coach, Jeff Kirksel before. Yeah. Dude, it's funny that you say that. Cause I remember, you know, Muck comes over to me. He's all excited about it. <laughs> and, but he's also kind of like keeping his voice low and it's kind of like, Hey, you know, like just go straight on your cool down. Don't talk to Jeff. Like, <laughs> let, him, let him cool off, you know, like come down from the emotional stress. So you know, it makes sense now. Yeah, he's like, he was literally getting yelled at in yeah. the middle of like high fiving the other assistant coaches. Yeah. Like, yes, this worked out. That was amazing to watch. Uh, that's funny that you said that. Like, don't don't go anywhere. Yeah, near like he kind of like, like temper his attitude. He's excited, but he can't show it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, Brandon, we certainly appreciate your time. So for Brandon, he's currently sponsored by Brooks. For more information about Brandon, so B-R-A-N-N-O-N, you can go to his Instagram page at Brandon Kidder. Well, dude, you have a phenomenal background, man. We, you know, being from the town you are, so proud of you for what you've been able to accomplish. Like seriously, that. that is really incredible. I mean, you are on a short list of professional athletes that have come out of Lancaster, right? It's just like you and Bobby Carpenter. I think that's it. Quite honestly. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, seriously, hats off to you, my man. Great job. Yeah, and we so will much. be certainly rooting you on Absolutely. over this next year, uh, rooting you on for that, that Olympic team. Thank you. Listeners, if you like what you just saw, like what you just heard, please go to iTunes, go to YouTube, and subscribe, rate, review this podcast. That's the only way we'll be able to continue to produce this. Where else can they go, Stephanie? They can go to kevinandsteph.com. That's all I know. So, is that it? You crushed it. Yes, crushed it. Thank you, listeners.